0: You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father Scholl, and I would like to continue with our uh, program in uh, classical political philosophy where we're dealing with the Republic. And these are some comments and uh, Uh, reflections on the second book of the Republic, or the second chapter. We saw that the Republic uh, is in 10 books, and uh, the first book was the um, introduction where we saw the famous uh, discussion with Cephalus and Polemarchus and Thrasymachus about the um, uh, meaning of justice, really, which is the sub-theme the main theme of the Republic, or at least it looks like it in the beginning. Now, the second book of the Republic begins with several young uh, men, uh, particularly Glaucon, who is uh, Socrates, uh, who Socrates praises uh, precisely for his courage, and uh, this is at three fifty-seven a, and uh, he. Uh, Tell Socrates that he is unhappy with the arguments just heard about justice in, in uh, Book 1. Remember, at the end of Book 1, we knew what justice was not still, but what it was. We, still, we knew what it was, but we didn't know what it was not. And furthermore, we thought the question was, is the most unjust man the happiest man, or is he the most unhappy man? So... Glaucon, in the name of uh, his friend, his brother Adamantos and other young men, uh, were not happy with the argument. And so, uh, whenever you see anything like this in the Republic or in Plato, someone talking uh, to the side, to each other, uh, or showing uh, unhappiness with an argument, We call Simmias and Cebes in the Phaedo. Pay attention. Something important is going on. I note that calling uh, Glaucon, one of the most interesting of the young uh, potential philosophers in the Platonic book, uh, uh, Courageous, calls him Courageous, which is the military virtue, this is significant. This relates to some Sense to, in some sense, to the definition of justice given by Polymarchus in Book One, uh, to do good to your friends and uh, evil to your enemies. But here we see that there is, uh, uh, as it were, a philosophical um, uh, courage, namely, to speak to the real issues in uh, a hostile territory, and here. No doubt, Socrates is uh, in friendly in friendly territory, but of course he argues for the side of the of virtue and truth. Uh, never uh, subjects which are never popular. Uh, the young men want to be persuaded, but are not uh, are not so persuaded by the argument of Book One, in order to make his point. Glaucon, who is very perceptive, and is really the main character here, besides Socrates, uh, goes through the motion, uh, through the notion of good, in various forms, and what he says is well worth pondering again and again. Glaucon says in um, number three fifty-seven B says, "Tell me, uh, Socrates, do you think there is a kind of good?" we welcome, not because we uh, deserve what comes from it, but because we welcome it for its own sake. Joy, for example, and all the harmless pleasures that have no results beyond the joy of having them. This is an absolutely remarkable expression of things for their own sake, the question of joy. What is it? What causes it, of um, uh, of the mo- of its most profound uh, meaning? Socrates responds, certainly, I think there are such things. There are such things, Golcon. and and is there a kind of good we like for its own sake, and also for the sake of what comes from it, knowing, for example, and seeing and, uh, and being healthy. Uh, We welcome such things, I suppose, on both accounts. Yes, there is a uh, third uh, type of joy, uh, uh, physical training, I mean uh, uh, medicine, and medicine, uh, which uh, when exercises are uh, burdensome, uh, but they do help us. In the early part of this book, Gawkan is joined by Edimantas, his brother. One argues the case for the popular view of justice, that no one would pursue it for its own sake. The other says that none of the poets praises it except secondarily, what you get out of it. And this leads to a fourth definition of justice, that is, no one in the common view uh, uh, pursues justice for its own sake, as they would if it were a good, uh, supposedly. Um, but because it is a kind of medium between two extremes, between uh, doing the worst evil, uh, if we could, and as Thosimica said, and uh, suffering the worst evil in some sense, uh, and uh, in this, in some sense, anticipates Christ, I think. So the two extremes. So the, the argument is that nobody would be just for its own sake, but always for some other reason. The common view, then, is that justice is always perceived as a compact between two extremes. And this is, in a sense, the first appearance of contract theory in political uh, history. Justice is thus midway between doing the worst evil, if we could, and suffering the worst evil, if we if we must. Notice what happens here. If we have the tyrant that Thrasymachus pictured, someone would have to suffer what he does, which is whatever he wants. So to uh, limit him, we establish this compact. On the other hand no one is purely just uh, so justice is a kind of uh, pragmatic compromise nothing uh, to get excited about to attack this view socrates brings up the famous myth of Gaiges, the famous origin of the invisible man stories this is an example of what ways myths or stories can make philosophical or political points Gyges is a uh, famous shepherd who finds a corpse on which there is a ring which he promptly steals and playing around with it with the ring he finds a button on it and he makes that makes him invisible uh, what does he do he immediately goes out and seduces the queen and kills the king, and makes himself the king. And what is the point? This is Glaucon's point. This is what um, um, most people think justice is about. What prevents us from being maximally unjust are the uh, compromised laws. If we could be unjust, we would be. The myth shows us uh, this point. This is what most people think justice is. There is a second version of this uh, position, namely, what is the common man's view if a just man would enter into any existing society or any existing city? What would happen to him? Well, most people think He would be arrested, scourged, his eyes cut out, beaten, and crucified. This is still Glaucon speaking about the common view of justice, that it never is for its own sake. A Christian reads these lines with considerable amazement, as they appear some 400 years before the Christian era. See the chapter on this subject in my book At the Limits of Political Philosophy. At this point, Edimantos comes into the discussion. He tells Socrates that justice uh, may be noble and great, but the fact is that no one, but no one uh, of the uh, poets uh, think so. They all praise justice as difficult and compromising, no one would be just if he could get out of uh, get out of it. And Edimantus goes through several examples from Homer and Greek poetry, showing uh, what they thought of justice, namely that you were only just if coerced or forced to be so. So the brothers tell Socrates that this is the real. A problem with justice, that no one is just for its own sake. And they both urge Socrates to take up the question, and they insist that he is the only one who can deal with the problem, and they are not going to let him get away without confronting the topic. At this point, there is one of the most wonderful points in the Republic, where Socrates turns to the brothers basically plato's brothers, and he says to them uh, a very um, a very great compliment they are able to state the arguments against justice so well and yet are not personally convinced by these arguments against it and socrates is proud of them uh, remember they are sons of ariston Plato's real brothers. There is something uh, about them, uh, about them, potential philosophers that will, will not let them rest until their arguments are met. This is the intellectual dynamism of the remainder of the book. So Socrates finally uh, consents uh, to address the problem. He tells them that at this point, according to their wishes, uh, we will set aside any discussion of rewards and punishments with regard to justice. So we're no longer going to talk about whether you're punished or rewarded for being just. The fourth definition was recall, in effect, that the only reason anyone was just was either being uh, paid to be so or threatened if not. So, We suppress this question uh, uh, till Book 10, in which it will come back again. Pay attention and pay very close attention to when it does return in Book 10, when we uh, uh, come to it again, and why it returns into the discussion at that point. It will have something to do with the Phaedo, In the middle of Book 2, Socrates suggests that we develop a method to see where injustice comes into the city. To show this, he proposes famously building a city in speech or in the mind. The building of this city will uh, engage us, engage our minds for the rest of this book. Socrates suggests as an intellectual building block the famous principle of special specialization. We saw something of this uh, argument in Simon's book, if you recall. This principle simply says that each should do the task he is most qualified to do. Thus, Socrates suggests we begin at the building, uh, at the at the beginning to build. Uh, a speech. And what we need first are the most essential things, food and shelter. We need farmers and carpenters. This is the economic problem, as it were. As these basic uh, items become more known and more available, we need more things, or want more things, or desire them. We need fancier things. And our desires, uh, and our desires, in, increase. Uh, and so does our demand. As our desires increase, our demand for them increases. Demand is a uh, function of desire. Soon we begin to need luxuries. We need fancy foods, and ladies need elegant dresses. We need banquet halls. And looking at this situation, Glaucon, in a famous quip, uh, said with Socrates, there, this is a city of pigs you are building. Now what happens next is very important. So the city of pigs is basically the city which is only concerned with economic and material interests. The definition of Polemarchus from Book 1 reenters the scene as we desire more and more things uh, so the first thing we need are carpenters and people to do material things Uh, as we have more and more things we are going to get where are we going to get them Uh, we have outgrown um, our uh, productive capacities but not our desires so we see our neighbors uh, neighboring cities that they have riches, and we begin to covet what they have, or else the neighboring city covets what we have, and this is dangerous, and we need protection and power, and we need something more than economic classes. It is at this point that the military guardians come in. They are to protect the city from outside predators, and if needs be, attack other cities to acquire more they are compared to watchdogs and they are to do good to their friends and evil to their enemies which was Paul Marcus's definition and these are the in other words the visible consequences of the second definition of justice in Pokemon. <clears throat> but who are our friends and who are our enemies? This task falls to the intellectual guardians, and they are specialists of the whole of the uh, as the military guardians are specialists of defense. The intellectual guardians need to know the relationships of part to whole in order for the parts <coughs> to be parts. The whole must be the whole. Um, the question is still uh, where does injustice come in? At the beginning of, of building the city, in speech, Socrates said that we will first um, um, do the um, uh, soul uh, so writ large uh, in order to see more clearly <clears throat> where the problem where the problem lies. And first, we will see where injustice comes into the city. And then later we will see where it comes in to this when we see it comes into the city writ small that is, into our own souls. So we see where it comes into the city, and then where it comes into our own soul. It turns out that the disorder in the city comes through the education of the guardians that is, eventually, the potential philosophers. This comes through their education by the poets, specifically Palmer, Homer. And this education will be the topic taken up more fully in Book 3, the end of the discussion. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward donate to help us keep this content free.